Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon, at 88.7 on your FM dial, and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll be celebrating the birthdays of Spike Hughes, Billy Basquette, Roger Wolf Kahn, and Carl Kress, and have some songs about Mercenaria Mercenaria. What? Just listen, you'll find out. Last week, October 19th, marked the birth in 1908 in London of Patrick Cairns Hughes to Herbert Hughes, a composer, and Lillian Florence Peplo Meacham, a psychiatrist. You may know him better as musician, composer, and arranger Spike Hughes. He was educated at the Peirce School in Cambridge and traveled extensively in France and Italy, as well as Vienna, where he studied composition and developed interest in both classical music and jazz. He returned to London in 1926, where his solo cello concerto was performed, and he taught himself to play double bass on a German instrument made of tin, the spike of which led to his nickname. After playing briefly with Alsterita's Piccadilly Players in 1930, Hughes formed his own jazz group, which signed a contract with Decca Records and recorded more than 30 sessions over the next three years, originally billed as Spike Hughes and his Decadents. Starting in 1931, he also played regularly in the Jack Hilton Band. On January 31, 1933, he arrived in New York aboard the SS Aquitania for three sessions with members of Benny Carter's and Louis Russell's orchestras, Coleman Hawkins and Red Allen, which resulted in 14 sides. After this, he abruptly stopped performing music in favor of writing, broadcasting, and composing. He died February 2, 1987, in Brighton. Here are three from Spike Hughes. Trot. 
Long-haired musician, 62, had to get their hair cut too. Traded their fiddles for a new kazoo, all on account of the boo boo ba doo Come on, your hot sis, come on, your tots. Don't loop around like forget-me-not. Let's put it on like the regular shot. The boo boo ba doo ba doo trot.
have a nice representative sampling from Spike Hughes. We started off with Spike Hughes and his Decca Dents, a name Spike didn't like, getting dropped after a couple of sessions, with the boop boop a doop a doo trot, written by Jack Little with music by Joe Burke. The vocalist on Decca F1709, recorded in London on March 28, 1930, was Val Rosing, and Spike was on string bass. The boop boop a doop a doo trot is heard in the 1930 pre-code Fox movie tone musical extravaganza, Let's Go Places, described as a singing, dancing whirl around Hollywood. Jimmy Dorsey was visiting England in 1930, and Spike persuaded him to join in some sessions. One on July 15th, where Spike Hughes and his three blind mice accompanied Jimmy on After You've Gone, written by Henry Creamer and Turner Layton. The three blind mice were Claude Ivey on piano, guitarist Alan Ferguson, and drummer Bill Hardy, with Spike on string bass. That was issued on Decca F1876. We finished up with Spike's first performance on string bass in the U.S. on Sweet Sue, Just You, written by Will J. Harris and Victor Young. That was Spike Hughes and his Negro Orchestra in New York on May 18, 1933, and included Coleman Hawkins, Benny Carter, and Chew Berry. I wonder if Phil Schapp ever expounded on that particular session. Probably so. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Last week, October 23rd, marked the birth in 1884 in Henderson, Kentucky, of William James Basquette. I have little information about him, but his musical career began playing bass in a circus band. He performed in vaudeville as a dancer and pianist, and later was a staff writer for various music publishing companies in Chicago and for Leo Feist in the Grand Opera Building in New York. He wrote a number of World War I songs about going to war, his most famous, Goodbye Broadway, Hello France, Being at War, such as Each Stitch is a Thought of You, Dear, and Hopefully Returning from War, as in I'll Dance My Way Right Back to Dixieland. His World War II draft registration card listed his employer as ASCAP in New York with lyricist Gene Buck, listed as the person who would always know his address. Buck was in his 15th and final year as president of ASCAP at the time. Billy Basquette, composer of Everybody Wants a Key to My Cellar, died from cirrhosis of the liver in Los Angeles on November 8, 1949. Other non-war tunes from his catalog include Hoosier Sweetheart, Let Me Spend the Journey's End with You, Sandman Lullaby, and these.
Charlie Street and his Rendezvous Orchestra, who were talking to the moon on Brunswick 3076, waxed in Chicago on March 10, 1926. That was an instrumental, but there are words written by George A. Little, first sung by Gene and Glenn. The first of at least eight versions of the song recorded between February and September. If you like that version by Charlie Strait, you can find it and 23 other great recordings by the band, beautifully transferred and restored on the Rivermont CD, Charlie Strait and his orchestra, That's What I Call Keen. My favorite record on the CD, by the way. Available online at rivermontrecords.com. In 1923, the Nashville, Tennessee Banner newspaper hired Billy Basquette to produce, write, and stage the Nashville Banner's Frolics of 1923, a dazzling musical review which was to open at Lowe's Vendome Theater on March 5th for a full week's run with three shows a day. The show was to feature a cast of 60 locals, chosen from more than 400 applicants, each one personally interviewed and auditioned by Billy Basquette and his wife over several days at the Hermitage Hotel. Even though cast with amateurs, the director declared that the frolics will compare favorably with professional productions of similar nature. Billy Basquette wrote all of the music and special material for the show, including seven verses just for the prologue. Lots of articles appeared in the Nashville banner leading up to the show in order to build interest and boost ticket sales. An article about the show in the February 2nd edition of the paper started off by saying, Every real musical review this day and time must have a Chinatown number, and the Nashville banner's frolics of 1923 is no exception for Billy Basquette, famous songwriter and producer employed by the paper to stage and produce the frolics, has completed the second number of the big show and calls it Hoptown Chinatown Hop. Read the words and see if you don't think it's good. Well, I'm not going to read you the now politically incorrect words, but I did want to give you the context before playing this next record. Hoptown Chinatown Hop, performed by Kaplan's Melodists. Thank you. 
Dave Kaplan's Melodists on Edison 51054L and Hoptown Chinatown Hop, written by Billy Basquette for the Nashville Banners Frolics of 1923. That was recorded February 2, 1923, in time to get it out around the opening of the show. And the flip side of that record? The very popular Mr. Gallagher and Mr. Sheen. The Duncan sisters, Vivian and Rosetta, were wildly popular celebrities ever since their childhood portrayal of Topsy and Eva. They were singers, dancers, comedians, and musicians, and were stars of vaudeville, Broadway, films, and records. As such, their lives were highly scrutinized and publicized, but they always bounced back from reports of unsuccessful marriages, divorce trials, litigation, strife, and other such events. In July of 1924, Rosetta was driving a car in Cicero, Illinois, in which her sister Vivian, brother Harold, and other stage folk were riding. When Rosetta barreled through an intersection without stopping, she was pulled over by a cop. The 4'11", 104-pound Rosetta claimed that the 6'2", 225-pound officer struck her, causing a fractured rib two black eyes, and various lacerations, landing her in the hospital. The officer claimed it was she who struck him, putting a gash in his head. Rosetta filed an attempted murder charge, and the original traffic violation was dismissed a couple of weeks later with the payment of a $1 fine. The sisters took advantage of the incident in the form of a song, with the tune by Billy Basquette and words by Billy Waldron. They tried recording it on November 10, 1924, but gave up after just one take. They took a break and came back four days later and nailed it on take four, issued on Victor 19527. With piano accompaniment by Florence Sanger, here are the Duncan sisters with Mean Cicero Blues. Yeah. 
helped him and kicked him uh-huh. and also said you gave him a dance Oh, now, I don't see how I could have been so brutal and mistreated that little dear. Folks, I leave it up to you. I'm just five feet and he is six foot two. That is why this man guy has got the mean sister of The Duncan Sisters, Rosetta of I Gotta Coded by Doe's fame, and Vivian with Mean Cicero Blues. As if the story of the traffic ticket and the 1924 song Mean Cicero Blues weren't enough, there's more. The Duncan Sisters enjoyed a very long career which lasted into the late 1950s. Since June of 1959, Rosetta and Vivian had been appearing together at Mangum's Chateau, a nightclub in Lyons, Illinois, in a nostalgia-themed act. At around 4 a.m. on December 1st, following a show, Rosetta was alone, driving a friend's car to the friend's house, when she lost control, possibly asleep at the wheel, and crashed into a bridge abutment. She died a few days later on December 4, 1959. That fatal car accident happened in... that quiet little suburb of Chicago... Cicero, Illinois. And as Paul Harvey would say... And now you know the rest of the story. Last week, October 19th, marked the birth in 1907 in Morristown, New Jersey, of bandleader and composer Roger Wolf Kahn. He's had several birthday segments over the years, the last on the October 22nd, 2017 show. In the interest of maximizing the music, I'll refer you to that show, available in the archives, for his biography. Almost all of Kahn's recordings were on the Victor label, but he recorded at least a few for Brunswick, which I've never played on the show before. Here are two, and maybe even three of them.
Dark Knight was composed by Xavier Cugat and Herbert Stothert and has never been heard on the show before. Clifford Gray wrote the lyrics, and it's heard in the 1930 musical romance film In Gay Madrid, where it's played on guitar and sung by Ramon Navarro. We heard it sung by Scrappy Lambert with Roger Wolf Kahn and his orchestra on Brunswick 4811, recorded in May of 1930. The last time I played Twas Not So Long Ago was Long Ago in 2012, performed by Nat Shilkrit. This time we heard it by Scrappy Lambert on Brunswick 4614 in October of 1929. Twas Not So Long Ago, Twas Written by Oscar Hammerstein II with the music by Jerome Kern. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and every single one of our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand, anytime at all, online at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories. Inspiration for segment topics can come from the most unlikely sources. The Syncopated Times, as you've heard me say a number of times, is the only monthly newspaper focused on hot jazz, ragtime, and swing with original feature stories, interviews with current artists, and interesting history, as well as reviews and event listings. Lou Shaw's Jazz Jottings column in the current October issue of the Syncopated Times contains a photograph of Al Capone playing the banjo at his home. At the time, Capone was living on a little island in San Francisco Bay. The caption reads, He was reportedly pretty good, but who's going to tell this guy he hit a clam? As you might guess, a clam in musical jargon is a wrong note. And for this segment, we've got some rapidly rotating records about clams. And I don't think there's a single clam in the bunch. Day morning comes a short, fat, breezy, cool, a shouting oysters and a shouting slam. Standing on the corner in the morning and at noon, a shouting oysters and a shouting slam. In his hands, he has two cans wherever he is found. In one, there's oysters, in the other, there's slam. Makes no difference where you go, this coon's always around, a smiling at you as he sings this song. Oh, oysters, slam, under your window every morn, always around is your phone, shouting, oh, oysters, slam, it's the ragtime voice of the ragtime oyster man. Every morn, always around, it's you and your bones shouting, Oh, oysters, slam. It's the ragtime voice of the ragtime oyster man. Oh, oysters, slam. 
Cab Galloway and his orchestra, who were at the Clambake Carnival, March 23, 1938, on Vocalion V4437. At the Clambake Carnival was written by Chu Berry. Before that, we enjoyed some clam chowder, courtesy of Vaughn Monroe and his orchestra on Bluebird B11103 from February 7, 1941. We started all the way back in 1904 with Bob Roberts singing about the Ragtime Oyster Man... Shoutin' Oysters and Shoutin' Clams. Jack Drislane was the lyricist, and Theodore F. Morse wrote the tune. That's from a 7-inch Columbia 78, number 3040, 
But Roberts also recorded it on a Columbia 10-inch record with orchestra, and for Victor with piano issued on both 7- and 10-inch discs. Arthur Collins recorded it on an Edison cylinder, but I believe those are the only vintage recordings. Have a particular song or artist you'd like to hear on Rapidly Rotating Records? Well, you can send your requests and your comments about the show by email to glenn at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or send cards or letters to Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. That's glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. Last week, October 20th, marked the birth in 1907 in Newark, New Jersey, of guitarist Carl Walter Kress, with a K, to Herman Kress and Mildred Mirbot. He began playing the piano and banjo before he took up the guitar, retuning it to the all-fifths tuning of the tenor banjo. His musical career started in 1926 with Paul Whiteman's orchestra, and for the most part he was a studio guitarist, But in the 1930s, he played regularly and recorded with guitarist Dick McDonough as a duo. Chris married Helen Marie Falk in Manhattan on July 16, 1939, and they had a son, Richard. Helen Falk's professional name was Helen Carroll, and she was a member of the Merrimack Swing Quartet, appearing on Fred Allen's Town Hall Tonight and the Vitalis Program. In the late 1930s, Cress was a silent partner in the Onyx Club on West 52nd Street in New York, and in the 1940s, a producer at Capitol Records in Hollywood, responsible for the 1946 version of The Christmas Song by the Nat King Cole Trio. Carl Cress died June 10, 1965, in Sparks, Nevada, while on tour with George Barnes. Fun fact, I've hopped a couple of freight trains out of Sparks, Nevada. Fun fact number two, Carl Cress and George Barnes recorded Watusi for Lucy, written by Barnes and dedicated to President Johnson's younger daughter, Lucy Baines Johnson, who was famous for attending discotheques and dancing the Watusi with Hollywood celebrities. They first played it at a White House staff Christmas party on December 17, 1964. Here are three from Carl Cress. <laughs> Thank you. 
Cress wrote seven solo guitar pieces and recorded them all between November of 1938 and August of 1939. We heard two of the jazzier compositions, starting with Peg Leg Shuffle on Decca 23137, February 13, 1939, and ending with Sutton Mutton from Decca 23138. He tried a couple of times on June 2, 1939 without any luck, but revisited it a couple of months later on August 8th and got it right on Take C. Now, just where the titles Peg Leg Shuffle and Sutton Mutton come from, I have no idea. In between, we heard another Crest composition, Danson, D-A-N-Z-O-N, a guitar duet by Cress and Dick McDonough from Brunswick 6917, January 31st, 1934. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had even half as much fun as I did, then I had at least twice as much fun as you. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. <laughs>